0: uh brother Charles Watson, brother Robert House, Brother Dre Clark, uh, brother Stephen Barrett, or is it Stephen Barrett?
1: Stephen.
0: Okay. Uh, brother Fields and Brother Christopher Leonard, and also Brother Javon Greenway. All right. Um, we are a group of Prince Hall Freemasons affiliated focused on esoteric and occult and philosophical lessons found in masonry uh this being a public forum it is not a legal interpretation or statement of any grand lodge district or local local masonic body any views or any opinions expressed by the panelists are solely that of the panelists and does not represent any grand lodge district or local masonic body views or views of officials which the panelists hold members hold membership of all right uh getting back to the topic uh, for our agenda understanding um uh, we're talking about uh trauma and spiritual awakening based on traumatic experiences um, just to get you in to focus on what this topic is going into what i'm presenting and what will lead into the further discussion after the, uh i go into my little brief spill where um it's if you put your mind focusing on the third degree and the uh the situation grandmaster Hiram biff uh this it, it it'll set the scene for uh, understanding of where i'm going with this Um, I got my notes, but as I said before, I like to ad lib stuff. I like to speak (laughs) from my heart so you get the real me and not no stage stuff. Uh, and I like to keep it unscripted. Uh, and with the agenda, I got about what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight different areas. I'll be focusing on. It's not a whole bunch of slides and, uh, things, but, um, understanding trauma, uh, the cost of living, self-generated hell, samsara, understanding death and dying, returning to your middle pillar and the spiritual awakening in the midst of death. All right what is trauma? Uh, trauma you know is generally defined as something that happens to, you know it's a significant event uh, that causes a disturbance in our flow or our energy, Hold on, let me see how I can minimize this. All right, pull you out to the side. All right, um, sorry about that. I'm trying to move this thing out of my way so I can see my uh, slide. All right, um, it's defined as a psychological emotion, emotional response to an event or experience that is deeply distressing or disturbing. Uh, when it comes to esotericism, it it's it's a fear generated, uh, a fear generated trigger Uh, and I find these three triggers that make people go into a specific type of trauma Uh, it could be rape murder or the fear of insanity and rape doesn't have to be like a physical rape of as we are known to in society as uh, someone is actually taking uh, their uh, taking advantage via sex that is one form of rape, but you can be raped mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And, you know, it's like somebody stealing your wallet out of your back pocket. You, you may be feel disturbed and you may be feel violated. It's, it's a form of rape. Anything that violates your body and your spiritual being could be a form of rape. And then, you know, we have that fear of murder. Uh, everybody has that in their mind, uh, especially with what's going on in today, today's society. You don't know if you're going to walk down the street. And you get arrested and then, or attempted to be arrested, and then somebody takes your life. Or, you know, you're fearing somebody who is gun crazed in a shopping mall. You don't know. That fear of death is around us 24 7. And then it leads in all of the, these two things leading to the final set of fear, which is insanity, because we go insane thinking about all of these different mechanisms of uh, which ways we can actually die. Uh, I mean, I, I remember back in the day, they used to have a TV show, A Thousand Ways to Die. And watching that TV show, you just, you sit up here and like, man, you literally don't know which way you're gonna go. It can be left, right, up, down, inside, outside, your friend, your family, or even just walking your dog and you trip on a curb and you bump your head, you're gonna die. So these fears lead to insanity, and um, I think the the whole under our underlying fear of death and dying is the route that we're going to die, and people fear the route of their death because they don't know when they're going to die, and when you look at the story of Grandmaster Hiram Biff, and um, you know he's like this is not the time, this is not the place, and you take that into consideration when death comes, you are gonna be like, it's not the time, it's not the place. But death don't care, death is coming for you because death says, give me that word. And that word is gonna come to you and the word of death, it only comes once in a lifetime. And we'll figure that out when it comes to us and it may be a different word for each individual. All right. Uh, the cost of living. Um, we have an irresistible inclination to destroy the existence of breathing creatures. Uh, I do not mean you're walking down the sidewalk and stepping on ants, although you might. Uh, truly, every aspect of modern life is built upon destroying creatures willfully without cognizance. Everything that we buy, everything that we sell, everything that we eat and drink has to come at a cost. and Uh, that one cost, none of us recognize when we look at, uh, everything we consume, it's a give and take situation and that give and take situation is the cost of living, uh, whether it be for food, clothes or shelter or, um, any pretty much anything that's a tangible good, um. It's the cost of living. And when you look at us as a species, we are, you know they say the zombies and all this stuff, but technically we are the walking dead. Uh, We're dead things walking and we use other dead things to survive. We feed and harvest off of that energy. And that's the cost of living. That's the cost of having a breath. And uh, these are things that most people do not take into consideration when we live and when we have life as we know it coursing through our veins and coursing through our body, something has to sacrifice for each and every one of us to exist on this planet. And then at one day we have to pay that cost back because uh, the life force that gave us life is going to reclaim what it gave away. And that is the cost of living. Um, Okay, uh, self-generated hell, we have people who believe in hell, heaven and hell and the circumstances of life, but these circumstances of life and hell are something that we generate and uh, ultimately is due to our desire and our desire and our wants and it's all egocentric, ego-driven and uh ego-driven to fulfill sensations and uh, the sense. It's something that we want to touch, feel, think, uh, some emotion that needs to be fulfilled. Um, And it's all self-driven. And uh, we spend most of our time chasing after idle thoughts and idle things that uh, really don't matter for another individual, but uh, we take it in and it holds value to us. But in reality, what does it have for your spiritual awareness and what does it have for your spiritual awakenings? Um, granted, you know, uh, the first thing us as men, uh, when we go look at a woman, um, we say, hey, man, she's beautiful. She's fine. She, you know, we thinking, you know, not all the time, but majority of the time, we're thinking with the wrong head. And then eventually, that wrong head leads to a self-generated hell per se. Uh, That's one aspect. Uh, It could be a a car. You go buy a car. You say, man, I wanted this car. I've been saving all my money to go get this car. Then all of a sudden this car becomes a sunk hole and you're spending all your money on a piece of crap. And it can't even get you to point A to point B. Uh, Same thing as far as work. You say, hey, I've been spending all my time going to school, getting educated to get this particular job. Then you go to work and you in hell because you miserable. It's nothing you want to do, and it's all because of ignorance. And that ignorance is to feel a desire or something that we want, but at the time we don't know if it's good or bad for us. And unfortunately, that's the law of karma. And in the book of James, James three nine four. Uh, the kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison, therewith it, bless we God. Even the Father hath therewith cursed the we men with our made after this similitude of God. Um then that one right there uh when, uh, when you think about subduing your passions, and you think about um, higher degrees in masonry, one of them speaking of silence and secrecy, and it's <laughs> <laughs> when you start to think that silence and secrecy is not a silence and secrecy to the to speak of that degree per se, but a silence and secrecy to yourself because sometimes we get overzealous and I'm not going to lie. I, uh, you know, a couple of my rants on Facebook the last couple of days because of things that I was seeing, uh, but, um, uh, it's because we were not silent and keeping stuff secret to ourselves. Some things we need to keep to ourselves and it's not secret to the organization, but some things just, you know, a better not said due to, uh, keeping good in order good to the order of the group. And, um, uh, I'm not gonna lie, but it's human nature. And uh, I fail to do that at times. And, but uh, when are you speaking to that, uh, a lot of people who tend to say what they have on their mind tend to cause a self-generated hell. And the first thing come out their mouth is, man, they just hating on me. Or they just don't, you know, they don't agree with me because they know I'm right. Or they don't agree with me because, you know, whatever but it's not that a person doesn't agree with you. It's about you keeping your mouth open and you saying stuff that drive people crazy and they just don't want to deal with you. And you might even have a great topic you're discussing. And um, at the same time, you turn off these people and then you may not look at it as being a self-generated hell, but you create a hell of loneliness because you don't have anybody who's going to sit there and talk to you and listen to you because you've Uh, you've cut them off by being arrogant, by being, uh, could be vulgar, or anything of that nature. Uh, But that's part of self-generated hell. And um, continuing on with self-generated hell, it it comes from uh, the mind, the heart, and the motor instinctual sexual instinct of brain. Uh, These three centers, as you know, uh, your mind, you think it, your heart, you feel it, and your instinct, you go out and you go get it. And these three things are either they create heaven or they create hell. And sometimes they, you know, if they're in sync, you know, in sync together as far as mind, heart, and sex in a positive way, you three must agree in unity. And some of y'all might know where I'm going with that, but I'll lead it on to another topic. But if your three channels of energy are agreeing, that's that middle pillar working in upward momentum and is forcing like Kundalini and chakra openings and things like that. But if it's going in the opposite direction, it's a force called like a kundal buffer. And the condorborfer is like an organ that it basically shoots out the other end, and it is basically your negative energy. Uh, these, these negative energies uh, they create essentially hell, uh, psychological hell, in the depths of our mind, in the depths of our body, and um, that energy. It, it you know we as humans, you can give that energy off to other people. Uh, your negative energy feeds your whole family, your positive energy feeds your whole family. So, if you're using that energy in the wrong way, you're using those three centers in the wrong way, you're gonna walk around in hell in your house all the time. It's gonna be chaos in your house, it's gonna be chaos in your work environment, it's gonna be chaos everywhere you go. You know, uh, I think you know, when you walk in a store and you see somebody who just got this negative grimace on their face. And to me, I'm like, man, you're walking in hell. Why are you smiling? I mean, they are beautiful? And well, for me, that is. But um, I see people walking around like that. And I'm just like, why you got a mean mug? Life ain't about mean mugging. And it's a self-generated hell. It's a self-generated stress. It's a self- reaction and the emotions that we create in our subconscious and our infraconscious uh, you know this is what drives it and it could come from pride anger trauma or feelings of hurt and or the will for revenge or justice and right now when you look at what's going on in the world we got a lot of people who sitting out here wanting revenge and wanting justice but in reality and i don't want to go too far off into this in reality, it—I mean—that's somebody else's karma and situation. We all agree that the situation was wrong. However, um, as Brother Coney stated earlier in the text uh, when we were discussing, he said, "I'm still breathing." And with that being said, we all need to still breathe because if we breathe. We're saying we're gonna get through this, but if we gonna stop breathing, that means we caught in our emotions, and we gonna sit up here and we gonna fight, and we are not gonna heal. And we have to heal, and we have to breathe, and we have to keep going. Um, justice will be served, hopefully, and hopefully justice be served in due time and quick, quickly. And I'll leave that situation alone. Um, but uh, these same forces, we create our suffering, we create our traumas, we create our own prison. Uh, you can also utilize that same energy to destroy these prisons and break yourself out of these jails by recognizing that the house we live in is an actual prison. What I mean by that is that if we get stuck in our own head and our own emotions, we create our own prisons, and we can't escape from them prisons until we come up with the ways to cope with what's going on around us. Um, I'm not sure if anybody is a fan of a TV show called Lucifer, but uh, Oh Lucifer,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Lucifer, Great
1: show.
0: He specifically said in one episode, he said, the doors of hell open both ways. It's up to you if you want to come out. Uh, I'm just here to sit here and make sure that you ready to come out. And when he said that, I was like, huh, interesting. So basically what it is, is that you, your mind, if you sit up here and let your mind eat away at you and destroy you and destroy your being, you have put yourself in a hell. Uh, And it may be due to something that you did that you can't get over with. And that is where you have to come together and get yourself out of this hole and bring yourself up. Um, not too many people in this world that I can say ha- knows what it feels like to hit rock bottom. Um, I, for, I, for one, can say I've hit rock bottom inside myself and, and, you know, and starting from the bottom and having to claw my way up to where I'm at now. But some people don't understand that. And uh, those people would be the main candidates that wouldn't, would suffer in hell because they don't know what it feels like to come from nothing and have nothing or be at the bottom and then have to work your way up. And uh, whether that be physically, spiritually, or emotionally. And people who have never felt grief, pain, loneliness, or suffering, they don't understand me i lost my mother when i was 25 i lost my sister when she was 29 and i just lost my brother two years ago and i literally have my two daughters my wife and my father other than that you know i have my extended relatives but the people who actually know me and grew up with me in the same house with me uh there is none I have nobody that I connected to for the 18 years that I was born. Me and my father lived in separate houses. But the people I grew up with, they're non-existent. So I suffered a while. And it took me a long time to overcome that. And that was my self-generated hell. And it took me to having my kids to pull myself out of this rut that I was in. I'm not going to lie. I was depressed. Uh, I seen, I saw counseling and everything and because I was in a rut. People don't like to talk about counseling or the negative things about themselves. But if you want to overcome and achieve to get yourself to a better light, you got to do things like that. Uh, Army has programs and other companies have programs. Military has like master resilience and things like that. Nowadays, with today's society, it's a psychological warfare um, between yourself, your environment, and the news, the media, everything around you. So, you got to talk these things out. You can't sit up here and hold these in. If you want to end hell now, you got to, if you don't want to go to hell in the future, you got to end it now. And you got to take a stance for yourself and break yourself out of these prisons. All right. um, Next topic, samsara. Uh, Those who don't understand emptiness will fail to achieve liberation. Thus, ignorant beings wander helplessly in a prison of the six cyclic instances, existence of. Uh, One of them is samsara. Samsara is the flow on or the cyclical existence. Samsara is your mind's diluted form uh, descending with the view from above. Um, This is more of a Hindu uh, Eastern tradition, nirvana and samsara. Nirvana would be what we call heaven and samsara would be just general life and general life and living meaning that you live a life of reoccurring events, meaning you're always going to come back and uh, come back to being a living, you know, we're born, we die. We're born, we live, we die. We're born, we live, we die. That's samsara. Whereas nirvana, nirvana is an escape from this reality. But what uh, most schools of thought don't teach, and including most uh, Western theologies, they don't teach that nirvana or heaven is something that's only temporary, that you eventually will come back to samsara. In Eastern tradition, they teach that you go to nirvana, it it, it may be for one minute, it may be for a thousand years, it depends on your level of karma, and your level of karma Tells you how long you can live in paradise, or how long you're gonna come back, or how long you're gonna come back. But regardless of the situation, you always gonna come back. Uh, the stay is temporary on both sides. So um, when you desire and you wanna go to heaven all the time, and that's the only thing you're thinking about is going to heaven, you gonna go to heaven, yeah, maybe, but you're gonna come back eventually. And that's, a, and that's something that's built in as a, a coping mechanism of the ego. All right, uh, understanding death and dying. Uh, de- death itself is a return to the original point of departure. Uh, a person is what his or her life is. If a person does not work on his life, he does not try to modify it. Obviously, he's wasting his time miserably because a person is nothing more than what his life is. Uh, we have to work on our life, our own lives, in order to make it make it a masterpiece. Only by dying within ourselves can we make can we whiten the brass of contemplation of the night sun. Uh, the sun being the father. Uh, this means that we must overcome temptations, eliminate each and every one of our inhuman elements which we carry in us, which are anger, avarice, lust, envy, cry, laziness, gluttony, et cetera, and the seven deadly sins. Uh, these seven deadly sins basically are the blocking points of our seven chakras. Once we release all of these items inside of our chakras, our chakra points, uh, essentially you can ascend to nirvana while you're living, but you have to break out on all of these different vices that we hold within um, it is a wisdom that knows when there is death, then new things emerge, but if there is no death, any new thing that emerges will be corrupt because it will be corrupted by all the impurities that remain remain there, uh, the path of the bodhisattva. So what this is talking about, this is kind of like going from the dead level to the living perpendicular. When... You sit up here and if you say you're going to be a real Master Mason and then you go in and you receive that um, dead level to the living perpendicular and you bring those things with you, you ain't going to do nothing but have a corrupted, you're just going to be a corrupted member of the craft. And as you see, we have a lot of corrupt members of the craft because they didn't cast those things to the wayside. and Uh, It's a process, and yes, an individual will continue to have these things, but it's an art of dying, dying while you're living, and once you realize that you have these things going on with you, you have to cut them out. Each time you go through the degree process, and although you are not receiving the degree, you should be taking away something from Uh, what's going on in the ceremony. Every time somebody's being raised from a dead level to a living perpendicular, you should be reflecting on these things. And it should be hitting home to you. and should be resonating on why you have to cut these things out. If you're just going through the motions of bringing somebody through, you're in the wrong business. And I hate to say it, we got a lot of brothers in the wrong business. And somebody, they may disagree with me on this. But at the end of the day, if you're not focusing on yourself when you're bringing another brother through, why are you doing it? Uh, Because while you're building him, you should be building yourself. You should be removing these impurities out of your character and uh, bringing yourself back into your center. Um, And at the same time, once you kill those old habits and those old vices and things inside yourself, uh, what essentially happens is that you're, op- you're able to obtain a new way of doing things, a new way of understanding things, a new way of projecting things. If you keep on, uh, it's basically like having uh, a toolbox. Why uh, are you going to have five Phillips screwdrivers that are all stripped inside of there, plus a hammer that you can't even do anything with? Or you got all these rusty tools in your bag that ain't doing nothing but clogging up space, but you got these new shiny tools over here you can use, but you don't want to use them. Oh, you can't can't put them in your toolkit because you got these old things you don't want to get rid of. That's the exact same thing. You have to, and that's the same thing with your mind and your thoughts. In order to get new things and new feelings, new emotions and a new way to grasp life and the reality around you, you got to let those old things die. Um, the importance of death, and I've just pretty much touched on this on the other slide, but um, it developed, you You need to develop your awareness of death and be, uh, become con- cognizant that you will die, and um, both literally and spiritually and emotionally, uh, but how we do it is we prepare to die while we're living. Uh, if you understand that you're going to die and... You think about death while you're living, and you focus on uh, not death itself, but you're uh, you're your preparing your your family, preparing everything for you to die. When that process comes, it's going to be it's going to be something real simple to the people around you, and it's something that uh, everybody is just going to accept as a law of nature and a law of cause and effect. So. Uh, at the end of the day death is it brings forth new light Um, I I talked about it earlier today um, on Facebook with uh, the post that brother house published and uh, I think that was brother house uh, but um, and I posted the picture of Kali Shakti and a couple brothers was like hey what what does that picture mean and um I gave the real simple answer, which, and it had, oh, actually, uh, there was the uh, brother asking a question about, uh, was hire or retire a, a widow's son? And I said yes. And uh, Stanley Brooks, that's who asked it. But, um, and the reason I said yes is because when you look at uh, the widow, the widow is mother nature, and, uh, The father is father time and mother nature wins against father time all the time and in order to give birth to a new creation, which is the son. So when one thing is cast away, another thing takes its place. You have to have that motherly figure to cultivate and bring forth new light. You, The father will generate the source of creation, but it's the mother that cultivates it. And that mother, being Kali Shakti, is that, uh, that monthly force of creation, Mother Nature. And um, she is the widow, and the new creation is the widow's son. Uh, most people, they won't understand that. But hopefully, by, if they watch this video, they'll understand where I'm coming from after today. Uh, but at, like I said, this body is nothing but a shell. This existence is meant to end and we should get used to that fact and start reducing our attachment to this body and the, the things around us that we say makes us us and what we're living for. Oh, and, you know, are we really living for the things around us or are we living for to fulfill our ego or a sense of belonging? At the end of the day, you're going to have to be ready to cut that away. Now, now, granted, nobody wants to die, but you have to be ready to cut cut it away when that scythe comes swinging. Um, Again, death provides an opportunity to realize it, understand that we need to understand these three uh, parts of psychology and train now how to comprehend the difference between them. Uh, You got the ego, the essence, and the personality. Now the ego is a conjunction of different and inhuman. Uh, it's elements of you I mean, you got positive ego, but you got negative ego. And it's a it's okay to have ego, but the negative parts of ego is basically all mental facets of us. Then the essence, the essence is uh, what we call soul. And this, this, I guess, this soul, you you recognize this through the pineal gland. And this essence is, it tends to be trapped inside our ego, inside our willpower. And uh, not to go far off in a tangent, but uh, the ego should, if you look at it as a biblical representation, that's Cain, whereas the essence is able The soul is able. We constantly sacrifice our soul and our essence to the ego, so the ego can be fulfilled to get what they want. And um, in truth, um, the only uh, only thing that can come from it is that we have to kill the ego to free our souls, and uh, not the good ego, but the bad parts of us. Um, In the the, uh, Bhagavad Gita. Take perceptual experience in the nature of consciousness as the path. Um, What what this is focusing on is the experience of your soul struggling between those, uh, between uh, your ego and your willpower. You got to focus on these things to be able to release one from the other. Uh, When the ego has a grasp, on that soul, you got to look at it at that given moment and you got to realize it immediately. And that basically means you got to be here and now in order to let go of the ego to free the soul and uh, move on forward to a better conscious awareness of what your situation and what you're going through. And um, this is the awakening on, on a conscious path. Bodhi, uh, Bodhi, uh, Bodhisattva is the wisdom, wisdom mind, uh, the essence of wisdom. If you understand the story of Buddha, Buddha sat under a bodhi tree, which is similar to the tree of life in the Kabbalah, and uh, it also goes and it coincides with the sprig of acacia, uh, that everlasting life, that essence of wisdom. it, it means regeneration and being awakened. And that's what that Bodhi tree represents. That's what uh, essentially when you understand the meaning behind the crucifixion and the two beams of the cross, the, the vertical and the horizontal beams, those same beams represent the exact same aspects of being an awakened mind and the wisdom. Um, then when you think about the personality, uh, personality is pure energy and uh, nobody is really born with personality. Personality is developed on this level and in existence, uh, so if you believe in reincarnation or um, the law of reoccurrence or the law of return, uh, personality essentially is what's born with this body and it comes with the environment you're around. Uh, every environment you are born in or reincarnated in will be different, or, you know, once you've been raised, again, that environment should be different. And um, that personality is developed based on that environment. So if you grew up in a happy environment, you might develop a happy and bubbly personality. If you grew up in a rough and rugged uh, environment, uh, you might have a rough and rugged personality, but it's that energy that's given to you from that situation that you've been put in into this new embodiment but at the end of the day what you have to cut away is also the personality and the ego for the essence and the soul to emerge and um that's your real you the other two they're just uh i guess you can say your stand-ins your actors or your co-signers uh uh your stunt doubles but they don't represent the real you and the real you uh, most of us don't even know the real us. We're still trying to figure it out. And that's that lost word. And before and before I jump onto that, I'll move on. Um, how we die. Um, um, how to die. Basically, we should die while we're living. We have to understand suffering and we have to be serene in the midst of pain and suffering and detach ourselves from that situation and be able to move forward. Um, This life is instantaneous. If we look at the grand scale of the universe being billions of years old, uh, within a blink of an eye, we're like a flash of lightning that strikes, we're here and we're gone. And the chariot wheel or the universe and life keeps rolling, around, rolling along the same way, even though this being has ceased. So, um, with that being said, uh, uh, as it's been said, the being of the past moment of thought has lived, but does not live, nor will it live. The being of the future moment of thought will live, but has not lived, nor does it live. The being of the present moment of thought live, does live, but has not lived or will live. If you think about uh, "I am that I am," and you look at the um, what was written in the Hieroglyphs about Isis when she says, uh, "I am that was, is, and always shall be," you take that into perspective. And you realize that uh, everything is a continuum. There is no beginning. There is no end. There is no present. It's all now. And we have to live in the now. Even when we die, we have to live in the now. We have to understand when we die, uh, it's now. And uh, you have to be able to focus on that and to experience life, and to teach life. um, The uh, self is death and truth is life. The uh, cleaving the self is a perpetual dying while moving in truth is partaking in nirvana, which is life everlasting. Um, Essentially what I'm saying here is that, you die in yourself if you sit up here and you focus on things that you can't have and you can't obtain uh, trying to fulfill the ego, but not realizing that uh, the beauty of life isn't uh, in an object or in a person or a thing, but the beauty of life is an experience. That's nirvana and that's real living. And that's how you break away from hell. And that's how you die understanding that, again, like I said, we are the walking dead. And um, when you realize that um, that it, that all this personality, all this ego, it, it stays here. And the real you moves on to another body or to something else. We don't know. Uh, I haven't seen anybody come back from the dead Actually, you know, if Lazarus is, is real, he's still walking around, as Brother House would say. Uh, but uh, again, the soul is a receptacle of the psychological self-conscious. It is a place where the inner alchemy of the psychological metabolism occurs. Uh, we work when we work is when our work is done. There, the subtle changes and like its parallels metabolic level in the body. There's a sense of ill or well-being. However, the time scale of the soul is not limited to the daily, monthly rhythm, but to the periods of the Sun, Mars, and Jupiter. Um, I found this in um I found this book in, I found this in the book of the Bodhisattva, that last verse. And what's essentially what I pulled out of it is that um the universe. Will call you back to wherever you need to be at that given moment. Uh, And the, you know, we, from Who's Born, No Traveler Returns, if you take that into concept with this, you look at it uh, once the time comes, the time comes. And uh, like I said previously, you just gotta be prepared for it and be ready to go. Uh, We don't know the time, we don't know the place, we just gotta be ready. Um, returning to your middle pillar, uh, returning to your middle pillar is basically uh, you got your two hemispheres, you got your hot and your cold, your um, your mildness and your severity, or your positive and negative, and you have to bring those into balance and equilibrium, and this once again goes into um, Higher degrees, but at the same time it's found in the Blue Lodge. Uh, when you look at it, uh, as I spoke before, your three brains, your mind center, your heart center, and your sexual instinctive center. And uh, In death and Egyptology, and, or Egyptian mysteries, in the Egyptian Book of the Dead, you meet Anubis, and Anubis has got your heart weighed against, against a feather and a jar on the scales of balance. And when you think about it, the, uh, you have to have both of them in perfect equilibrium uh, in order to enter the world of creating a soul or your soul advancement. If not, if you don't have a psychological advancement or balance, you're going to return uh, to either a worse situation or to the exact same situation you're in. And, uh, basically what I'm saying is, again, you have to have balance your mind and heart have to be in sync and your motor instinctual sexual energy, all of that has to be in sync. Those three must agree in unity in order for you to achieve and go higher in yourself and in spirituality, um, life itself is the middle way. It's uh, self-conquest, which leads to a complete cessation of suffering and sorrow, which is nirvana, the ultimate goal of the Buddhists. Uh, It's known as the Eightfold Noble Path, which consists of understanding, right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration, basically this is putting your body in a tone and putting your body in a balance with uh, essentially almost um some of the things that you find inside of masonry uh having an understanding of the people around you having an understanding of life and society uh found in masonry and uh, when you start looking at the middle chamber you know uh the uh, seven liberal arts and sciences, and you can put this to that. And just um, when you look at the seven liberal arts and sciences, they, they coincide with this by helping you get into that right mind just to be a good pillar in society and be a good person in your environment and your surroundings. So um, with that being said, if you got these things intact in, regard, uh, in regards to death, And spiritual awakening, you're awakening your soul to a higher level of understanding uh, by putting your middle pillar in check by performing these actions and also following the Buddhist middle way. And uh, spiritual awakening in the midst of death, uh, consciousness arises and the mind and the body, or namarapa, uh, thus the body. Rapakaya is complete, and the mental group Namakaya, which is feeling, perception, mental formations, together with consciousness, are represent of the supporting each other. Um, now, the reference I got these quotes from was from uh, again the uh, it was the Buddhist uh, the Path of the Buddha, uh, The Buddha's Necklace, and also uh, The Three Mountains by uh, Samael Uh The body needs to be living as it is for us here and now for, us, for the consciousness to arrive. Uh, what it means by the body being living, but not a physical living per se. Yes, we have to be physically living, but we have to be in good spirit and have to be aware of what's going on and be aware of our surroundings for our consciousness to arrive in order to receive higher understanding. If you in a rut and you always in a rut, your mind is never going to be ready to achieve and receive a greater light or further light in masonry or in life period. Um, one, of the, one, of, uh, one thing that happens is when death or tragedy happens, uh, a lot of people may receive a spiritual awakening, uh, whether if it's a, a near-death experience for them or a death of a loved one, uh, it basically puts you in a mind frame to start thinking about other things and essentially it creates that doorway to awakening. If you look at it, if you understand the signs of what's going on you around you and you observe your surroundings, um, that you can turn a trauma or a tragedy into uh, your, uh, your spiritual awakening uh, by you taping, taking a step back and not looking at the grief, per se, but looking at the situation. And then what you can do better to pr- improve your situation and to get your mind uh, wrapped around the time for transformation, not only in yourself, but in ar- uh, the things around you. Uh, in this profound revelation a person's energy moves and starts to transform you it heals old wounds dissolves false beliefs and illusions and shifts you towards the truest way of expressing yourself and living your life and essentially that's what i was just saying if you take that trauma you're going to start focusing on how to live your life better if you are serious about moving forward and growing from a bad situation or a trauma that's happened to you or a trauma that has affected you either uh, personally or globally, like this situation uh, that we're in right now uh, with what's going on in America. If you take this and you take those situations and you learn from it and you put your mind in a right shift and you express yourself to go on living because you don't know what's gonna to happen to you at the end of the day. So you go on living, you go on breathing, and then you take that and you just keep moving forward and you keep driving forward until your actual end comes to you. And that is it for my presentation. I hope y'all enjoyed it. And that's the play set of brothers. I hope y'all like that. Excellent.
2: I got, I got one question though. I I got I got, a, I, got a, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it cuz it was it was phenomenal. I don't know if you planned this or it just happened. Um, on one of the slides you was talking about uh, death and I don't know uh, your light was off. And then and then when you start talking about life you turned the light on. So I don't know if that was just <laughs> Hey, go back and say, I'm serious. I was like, I wonder if he planned that out. Literally, we couldn't really see you. It was dark. Oh. And you were talking about death and all of that. And then as soon as you switched to talk about life, you cut the light on and went, boom. I went, oh, man, I wonder if that was a coincidence. It, I got to know, brother. Did you plan that, or that just how it happened?
0: That's just how it happened. I did oh, not. know. OK.
2: Yeah. Man, go back with, hey. When you go back and watch the video, you're gonna see what I'm saying. Literally, you were talking about death, and as soon as you start talking about left life, you click the
0: light on. Boom. Oh, I did not notice that at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. I
3: noticed that.
2: Did you I notice did, it too? I yeah, that too. yeah.
0: That I'm telling you, man. I think
3: he
4: that. I,
2: I think he did that. too, man. Literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome presentation, brother. Awesome.
4: Yeah, and,
0: you know, like I said, it's it just, you know, just thinking about uh, what's going on in the world right now, and uh, death is around us, death becomes us, but nobody really wants to cope with death. Everybody runs from it. Uh, but it's essentially something that's going to happen. And we got to face it. And you got to put yourself in the right mind to be able to deal with it. And then you know, we, we've all taken those OBs and those OBs speak to things like that. And when you understand the nature of the OB, it's essentially when you're cutting away some things, you're cutting away those, uh, those vices with inside you. And you have to, like, I mean, if you're reading the rituals or you're reading these books, you're just reading. But if you're not absorbing what's going on and what's being said, and, you know, you look at the certain things that go on with your body, uh, like, for instance, if pancreatic cancer and, or pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, anything down in that particular area uh, is something that's being that you got to go to a doctor to get cut out to be better. And if you put that in the perspective of masonry and put that in a perspective, you're living in your life, you got certain things that you gotta be gotta be cut out in order for you to live that spiritual life. Um, that's profound. Yeah.
5: That's those social fluorides in life.
0: Right. That's
5: facts. Yeah. Great presentation. Thank you very yeah.
0: much. Yeah, the floor is open, brothers. Let's 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 build.
3: My brother, I'm glad you I'm glad you
0: uh
3: you peeled back that onion, that, that layer of the onion. Um you talk about death, I think that a lot of us, a lot of times, obviously, it's something that we fear because we fear the unknown, um, but the reality is, at some point, your body becomes a limitation. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a limitation you have to release yourself, um, and I think it's just tough for us to to internalize that and apply it to our lives every single day, to walk and navigate this life like we really, truly understand that. So I just wanted to thank you for for uh, the presentation. It was beautiful. It was relevant, and I felt like I felt like it was just me and you on here, brother. Like you were speaking directly to
0: me. Um, so I appreciate you. Uh, no, no doubt, brother. No. Just, just providing, you know, a, a perspective on some things. I was, uh, essentially when I was putting this together, I tried to keep it blue because. Um, I touched on some things, and you know, if y'all been there, y'all know exactly what I touched on. Yeah, in <laughs> uh, uh, but my uh, brother Watson, I did that intentionally. So <laughs> uh, I, uh, I like to tie some things in. So uh, brothers in other houses, they'll see and they go, huh? Hold on, let me go back and read this again. I see what he's talking about, you know. Yeah, especially, you know, some people sitting in front of camps, they know exactly what I'm talking
2: about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of it, was a couple of things coming from, from the Scottish Rite. I, I'll, I'll tell you just with some of the uh, events from this week, I, I think that some of us on here may have been kind of overzealous. We, we all get that way, right? Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of a lesson in the Scottish Rite. Um, if you remember that degree uh, they went out to get the ruffians. That the, the first time they went out to get the ruffians mm-hmm. in and King oh, Solomon. Yeah. yeah, King Solomon said, Hey man, just bring them back. And my man went and said, Nah, man, he went and got <laughs> got that made me cut that ruffian head off. Right He's on. Like, off. Yackle, yackle. <laughs> Boom. And they was about to remember King Solomon was about to put yeah, him yeah. to death. Yeah. But yeah. King Solomon was wise enough not to take what he had did on face value. He said, what is his real motive? Where's his heart really at? And man, that just ringed home for me. The first time I I read that uh, degree and I studied, I said, man, that's me. I've gotten myself in trouble throughout my life and I didn't mean no harm. I was just, I'm always, I'm zealous. I'm passionate about what I do. And sometimes that that overzealousness can come off the, the wrong way, but if you got a wise brother that can see that. Nah, this brother don't mean no harm. He's just mm-hmm. he's a zealot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, real, real good lesson in there, though.
6: Yeah, you that's know, that's I, where the that saying "charge to my head and not to my heart."
2: There you go. That. There you go.
0: Remember, right. grandma and grandpa used to tell us that. Yeah, you know? yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, charge um, it to the head, not to the heart. But sometimes, you know, <laughs> if you're hitting your heart, and other things and agreeance, you know, like I, I, I said it a couple Ooh, times, yeah. we yeah. must That's
4: agree. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Nice. yeah.
1: And for uh, me,
6: I, I liked your intro because I just find it ironic a lot of the times uh, when we uh, speak on certain uh, subjects. How it's more meaningful when you're able to related to real life situations. And when you uh, went into causing our own heaven or causing our own hell, uh, the light bulb went off in my head. First thing that came to uh, my mind, if for some of us who are probably uh, familiar with that, was the uh, Pygmalion effect, where you have those self-fulfilling prophecies based on how you view yourself Your environment and everybody else around you Mm -hmm. lead to the decisions that you make, and your own self worth and how you feel about yourself, and you know that kind of resonated with me when you were speaking. I was like, "Wow, that's 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 a trip." How we're esoterically speaking, but this is reality. I'm like, "Wow, that's." I like how you put that in that in that frame where Mm -hmm. I was able to relate to it based off of that.
0: Yeah, and and that's what I, I, I with everything I try to do, and the way I was taught by my grandfather was that you have to relate masonry to your daily life. You have to relate masonry to you. You can't relate masonry to another individual. You can't relate masonry to masonry itself, but you have to relate it to yourself. You have to take those tools that masonry gives you and uh, use them and utilize them to build you up. And, um, yeah, I lost. And speaking of my grandfather, I lost him uh, last summer. Uh, it would be June twenty nineteen to twentieth, two thousand nineteen. My grandfather died eighty nine years old, and um, when I came through, I came by myself through the lodge. And uh, but my grandfather was one of my old past masters that was my study buddy, and uh, he 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 had me spitting like fire had me you know call me in the middle of the night. hey boy know that OB know this and know that and uh when he died uh he was fully cognizant that his body was shutting down mm. and the only thing he said man I just want some water I just want something to eat I know it's coming and the strength of that is the strength I want to have when it's time for me to go is to face it and know it's coming and keep moving
5: you you know uh based on what, what you were saying i think that what we learn as initiates and whatnot when it comes to death is how to live our life to the fullest so then when we do meet death we we aren't kicking and screaming like that to hang on to this life you know, right. to be okay with letting go of the only life that we know and to just be, if you get what I mean. You know, right. that when we say know thyself, what self are we w- really trying to know? Is it the flesh and bones that we're trying to know? Or are we trying to get to know the spirit, the soul within man that exists that born throughout
0: eternity, that energy? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank right. you for pointing that out. Right. You know and, and that's where I was getting at when we say we're getting raised from that dead level to that living perpendicular. And uh, when you look at that, you know, you're cutting away those certain things to uh, you cutting away those vices and you're trying to raise that soul to the living perpendicular. And
2: oh, but, oh, I'm good. what's that? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Please yeah, repeat ahead, that. Y'all. Please repeat that. Um, oh, my. Yeah. What I said is that you leaving all of that your ego's vices and everything on that dead level. Mm-hmm. And then you trying to raise your soul to the living perpendicular. And basically that's being, bringing that righteous you forward and leaving all the bull crap that you did or your, uh, your ego, you leave that behind. And, um, uh, I said it on one of the slides, if you bring all of that stuff that you were meant to leave behind with you, only thing you're doing is bringing a corrupt individual forward. And that corrupt person will not do anything but create and breed more corruption. And uh, when we're in a lodge and we're doing a degree work, we have to do that with the brothers. We still have to look at that ritual and look at those degrees. As if we're the ones going through every time, um, in 21 years that I've been a mason and every degree work that I've been involved in that I've participated in, I put myself as the candidate, even though I was the WM or whatever seat I was in, even uh, even in the other houses, being a captain of the degree team on the Scottish right and a York right, bringing brothers through, I put myself in a situation of being that candidate that was looking for light. And when you put yourself in a situation of the candidate that's looking for light, uh, it renews your experience every time. And uh, if you are a leader of a Masonic body, uh, the high three, you should be feeling that when you go through and you bring candidates through whatever house you're in, uh, especially in a blue house. If you're in a blue house and you sitting in the East, you should feel what that candidate's feeling every time you raise somebody. If you're not feeling what that candidate's feeling, why are you there? And uh, I think that's one of my problems that my zealousness kicks in because why are you there if you're not getting anything out of it? If you just saying, oh, I just brought this brother through. No. When I brought this brother through, I brought myself through again every time. 21 years that's how I did it. and you know when you're sitting in a lodge opening and closing you got to fill those seats you got to sit in those seats and while another brother's sitting there you got to look at him and see what's going on in his mind and you know not you know not to sharpshoot him and say oh you got that word wrong you got that but look at him and see that passion in the words that he's saying and seeing if he's feeling it you know Say it is if if you sitting there and, you know, if a brother's stutter-stepping there, he's getting it wrong and you want to pull him out of that book or you want everybody to be out of the book. When I was the worship master and actually when I, my entire York right, I'm like, ain't none of us doing anything in this book. If You, you know, when it comes to degree work, if we putting on degrees, we practicing, we practicing, we practicing because um, at the end of the day, you don't know who's going to be the next Grand Master, the next Grand High Priest, the next Grand Thrice Illustrious Master, the next Grand uh, Right Worship, Grand Enemy Commander. You don't know who you bringing through. So True. what you need to do is put yourself in their shoes and give them the experience of a lifetime. And don't nobody want to sit up here and see you with a book in your hand going, uh... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> and you know, on the Scottish right, it's a little hard to do that, but it's at least put on a show and give them that. Uh, Brother House, can you see that real quick? Uh, it's disappeared.
7: Yeah, faded out. In there. Hell yeah! <laughs> you know, Excuse piggybacking me. off of
2: that. Oh, go ahead, sir.
7: I just want to introduce myself, Brother Chris Lewisell. Anna number eight, Moves Rochelle Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Maryland. Um, I was going to piggyback on what Brother Williams was saying real quick, because I know uh, Brother Watson's got something to say. But um, when I was speaking to my senior steward and my junior steward, when we were doing our last degree, I asked him, I said, what did you go through? I said, how were you divested? You know what I mean? So that it's not, you know, know, most times brothers stand up there when we, you know, we ask them how should the candidate be prepared, so on and so forth. And they'll just spit the words off, but they're not connecting that to their experience. So if you know what you went through, you're not going to have the left side up and we in the second degree. You know what I mean? <laughs> you you, you got to make sure, you know, you remember what you went through and I'll keep you tight. Anyway, I digress, brother Watson.
2: Uh, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I just want to uh, piggyback um, off of. Um, what was what was said, especially because I I teach it like that, you know, as far as it it has to mean something to us, right? It can't just be about a hirema biff I, you know, I and I say this and I don't say I don't I don't say it in a negative way. I really don't care about no hiram a biff from two thousand or three thousand years ago in 2020. Right. So when we teach this thing, we gotta make it walk and talk in our lives. And and as you mentioned earlier I teach that that rubbish pile is where the vices and superfluities are in life that deals with my life. And when you say that's nice, you you were risen on the living perpendicular, that one little piece I was waiting for you to give it is you also are now standing on the square, the square of what? Virtues. So you have been risen from a life full of vices and superfluities to a life of being on the square in the square of virtues. I um, wanted to throw that out there. Um, yeah, sorry,
0: I forgot about that. But no, for
2: I, I, yeah, yeah I, did, I was like, he's going he gonna to say it, he's going to say it. But at the end of the day, I like the way you teach that. And, and we should all pick that up. It's, it has to be real. Don't tell me about a rubbish pile. Okay, it's a rubbish pile. What is that going to do for me today in 2020? Because it's really dealing with that part of me that needs to die. The vices and the superfluities. If we go back and we look at the three tracing boards, right, from the first degree, one thing that that I looked at in reference to leading up to death, I, I forget which brothers st- said it early on about. It. I think it, it was it was Stephen. He said that um, this life that we live prepares us to die, and in actuality, masonry prepares us two died. In the first degree, you have something, you're here on earth, you're trying to get to heaven, and you got this thing that you climb, right? It's called a ladder. And we know that a ladder, it takes a lot of effort to get up a ladder, right? So that's, the, that's life itself. Then when we go into the second degree, we got another thing we got to climb. We can't even see where it's going. It's a winding staircase. Getting back to what Brother Williams was saying, I, when I saw what he was going to talk about, immediately when he said get back to the middle pillar I was I start thinking about the second degree I said well I got a pillar over here got a pillar over there and I gotta walk me that middle pillar I gotta walk up this winding staircase then we get to the third degree the third degree just dealing with one of the emblems which is the hourglass the hourglass teaches us about life being human right but now we finished crossing the bridges. And that's what I call that ladder. That ladder is like a bridge. The winding staircase is a bridge. That's the life that we live. Now we got to go through the gate. We made it across the bridge. But now when we get to that third degree. We go through that gate. And that gate that we go through is death. You know, And Masonry does a really good job of preparing the mind to accept the fact that we are going to encounter death. Uh, and, and it shouldn't be something we we dread, like, oh, God, I'm dying. <laughs> you know, like you mentioned with your grandfather. I think that being a Mason and living his life, he, he had already accepted those terms that I'm going to cross this bridge, this bridge called life, and one day I'm going to have to go through that gate. Or what some of us would say, uh, tiling that door of the celestial lodge above,
0: Yeah, my grandfather had, uh, I think, uh, uh, either last year or the year before, he got his 50-year pen. Wow, beautiful. Uh, uh, He never did get his 33rd degree. We were going to all try to do it uh, with me and him, but uh, when I got mine, but he had broke his hip, and essentially, Uh, once he broke his hip, that's when everything started going down. Started falling apart, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) but Yeah.
0: Oh, go ahead.
1: Real quick to uh, Brother Watson, what he was talking about, and then Brother Williams. Um, relating this back to your own personal life. So when we were thinking about this whole entire situation, I was thinking about my father. My father same similar situation. He was actually in a medically induced coma. And then when he came out, it was about like he was in there for about a week. Flew out to Virginia, seeing him and stuff. He had a truck driver. Um, when he came out, months and months later, I started telling him about kind of what I was diving into, knowing myself a little bit more he told me that during the process, he said that he was in a place of prayer, which is a little oh. bit different. You know what I mean? I've never heard of something like that. Like, he said, I'm in a place of prayer. And then when he came out, he said something I read in another Masonic book, where he said was, there's a difference between belief and faith. Belief is where you just like blindly following. You come in like some kind of religion. Belief is just, you just kind of Eyes closed, you're just going where you're going. He says because he's experienced this portion, he has faith. Faith is rooted in truth. It's rooted in facts, Even though it's something yes. that we might not be able to actually um, feel or chance touch. And I'm thinking like if I was never a Mason, now having that conversation with my father, I now can relate that to that whole entire thing. And now it hits home for me. So when you talk about living up from a, from raising from a dead level to living perpendicular, I literally see my father do that. Mm. The hospital bed. Mm. He's sitting back, he's not moving, not conscious, like he's gone. So right like, now, make sure he's touching me a little bit more. And now we're talking about the subject I'm thinking about it's like, I'm uncomfortable because I have a son, my son's six, we live in an all white town. The climate that we got going on right now, it's inhibiting some of us from doing and moving the way we're supposed to move being like just human beings. But if you don't have that fear in your heart, if you already accept that you're okay, you can live right now. You can do positive things. You can have like situation like this in a Zoom call. So, I'm just bringing that up because like it hit home with me. Like mastery now is like in my life all day, every day. is all I can think about because it helps me throughout these things. And. I'm working on accepting that death. And I think that's something that a lot of people need to speak on because a lot of these brothers have been doing this for a long time and you guys already have that acceptance. But I'm going to tell some brothers that's going to watch this later. You might be like me, bro. We just now starting this journey of being able to accept it. So keep going because I'll get to a point where House is Williams, Watson. You know what I mean? We'll get to that point. But I just want to share that. Tie that into your own personal story because, like, it literally is going to move you. It's going to change your life, you know?
5: Absolutely. And when. When he was speaking of, uh, you know, just, you you spoke of the rubbish pile and that being your vices and superfluities and whatnot. So when we talk about improving ourselves, you know, we cut off those vices and then it's death to those vices. So we die while we're still alive, like Mike had spoke on, right? So we die to our addiction or to things that may be bad for us or make a bad us so that we could it's a distraction so we could be devoid of those distractions that allow us to go within and know that spirit that soul to prepare ourselves for our physical death if you get what i mean
4: right 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 i I get what
6: you're saying brother salam and then also to Go back with what Brother Watson had said. It it resonate, It's starting to resonate a little bit more with me because where I'm at, you know, when you said fear for some death, it fears them. You know, they have a fear in it. I mean, you know, I, for me, I embrace it. I mean, you know, best believe, I respect it. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not say, you know, hey, oh, you know, hey, you know, I'm bulletproof. No, no, never that. However. I, I'm starting to get what you're saying with the with the rubbish pile, and when we're getting rid of those superfluities, we're getting rid of our vices as well. So one of the things for you to embrace death is to, when you die, if you will, you truly live because you've left all those vices right there in the rubbish pile. You left all those superfluities, and that which inhibited you from being all that you can be you know empty promises empty dreams things of that nature then it only becomes scary that when you die all your hopes and dreams go with you no they shouldn't you should have left them behind because you improved on them you worked on them you know because you know as we go through our journeys at the end of the day we're all striving Although, as we all know, none of us are going to ever be perfect. That doesn't stop us from working on perfection, or to become as about as perfect as we can get, and leave those vices behind, and leave those superfluities, and those challenges and obstacles that prevent us from becoming the best version of who we can be, as we, you know, start to trans uh, transcend through that, uh, you know, that middle chamber in the. As I, you know, we always, you know, our people say that upper room. Yeah.
5: You know? There you go, <laughs> bro. Bro, Fields, you you brought something to my attention too just now when you said the uh, the the rubbish pile again, right? So our vices and superfluities actually in that ritual killed us, like they were killing us. You get what I'm saying? So you when go. you When you divest yourself of that as well, you know you could then live. So you got to knock that off so you can live. Man, that's that's me
2: every day. That goes back to our last class that we was talking about because the vices and superfluities, even though we we get rid of them, we see them again the next day. They're there, (laughs) having to fight them, and sometimes they knock us down. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to touch on something that Brother Williams said. I don't think it was off topic. Um, but I wanted to touch on it a little bit when he was saying about counseling, right? Mm. Um, sometimes you're in that rubbish pile of life, you get knocked down and you need something to go down into that rubbish pile and reach down and pull you up. You can't get out yourself, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I'm also, you know, I'm a, a three-time combat veteran and um, it was an aunt of mine that, that talked with me and and she said she had noticed some things um that were different about me and she had told me you you should go to counseling and counseling was kind of taboo for me you know because my life I always thought that you're supposed to suck it up drive on That's you a know? So generous, yeah, yeah you're Watson, it like that yeah. yeah you a watson man well you know you don't feel no weakness mm-hmm. and but i wasn't being all that i could be because there was a part of that that rubbish pile that was holding me down wasn't allowing me to rise up and i had to go and get help. Someone had to reach down in that rubbish pile, right? And pull me up with the strong rip of the lion's paw, right? So Mm -hmm. I wanted to throw that in there just because to say that (laughs) if there's anyone that's out there right now that's going through some things, you know, here we are pretty, pretty strong men. And we're telling you that as strong as we are, some of us have went and got professional counseling, get you some help if you really need some help. There's right. nothing to speak and about
1: goes, that. That goes nothing. back
6: to our advice that man, when uh, you pointed out, Mike, in the beginning of your uh, lecture. Ego.
7: Right. Mm. Know, yeah. Ego
6: of yeah. ours. We yeah. as black men, an ego mm-hmm. of ours is what prevents us from getting health. That's why we have issues right now that's rampant within our own communities, and that's mental health. Right.
0: Because
5: yeah.
6: We're not, you know, you know, they say self-love, self-practice. We're not doing that. Right. So I, I'd agree with you on that one, Brother Watson. That's
7: right, That's
0: right. And, you know, and, uh, like I said, I try to keep everything uh, personal and related to me. That's why I like doing things unscripted or try to keep it as unscripted as possible. And um, my personal experiences, is like, uh, I'm here today because of my personal experiences, the bad right wrong and different it that's who made me me and that's why i'm able to understand uh things in a different perspective and not just talk about it and uh, and that's one of my biggest you know that's the zealous part of me is i think uh, and i hate to say it but we got a lot of brothers in our fraternity that have not truly lived Mm. and then they sit up here and try to battle or say stuff, but they have not truly lived. They have never seen the bottom and they've never really been to the mountaintop.
4: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, you know, I generally don't talk about my my current situation because my current situation is very well off. But it was something that I put myself into. And uh I try to keep humble about that. But um my past life is what made me who I am today. And it was those struggles and those pains and those things that I went through that got me here. And uh, I had to fight to get where I was at, where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And it, it was going through pain and, you know, being a three-time combat vet like Brother Watson. You know, uh, in you know, my last deployment, I swear, they was trying to kill me. And uh, because I was in Iraq, Afghanistan, Jordan, and Syria, all at the same time in a nine month deployment, just hitting combat battle zones, back to back, back to back. And that was another spiritual awakening for me. Just knowing, I don't know which country I might die in if I'm gonna make it home. Then I'm sitting on a border of Jordan, Iraq and Syria in a triangle, like literally a triangle, which is less than 10 kilometers apart from each other. And I could be snatched up and be taken away then y'all might have been seeing me on tv being beheaded man like man who was that the only way y'all would have found out who i was if y'all didn't know me already was somebody who was like man that was a prince hall mason mm. that just got beheaded on tv mm. but having that you know having those experiences you know plus losing a lot of people that were close to me i'm like i right, if if it's my time it's my time mm. and i think um brothers, you know, I'm not knocking anybody who hasn't had the experiences I had, but a brother who has not experienced life and death to the fullest. If you sat up here and your whole life and you got your mom, your dad, everybody still living, your brothers and your sister still living and you never been in a situation where you had to fear anything, how do you really embrace the third degree if you haven't felt pain?
4: Mm.
7: Mm.
0: And in order to fully embrace the third degree, you have to know what pain feels like to be able to go out and be raised, literally. And uh, I didn't even mention that I lost, uh, before I was even 16, I lost uh, two brothers and a stepsister. And I grew up with them as well. Uh my stepbrother, he had just graduated police academy and he got shot on his second job by uh by somebody who he wouldn't let in the club, shot him and killed him. He had he literally graduated police academy and was dead the next week. And then uh my sisters, my sister and my stepsister both died of lupus. And, you know, sitting there watching this, you know watching this pain and and you really can't do nothing because it's an autoimmune deficiency of their body and it's taking hold of them and you know watching them and wanting to do stuff for them and you can't it's very hard. It's very hard. And then um uh like I got personal situation that um um I'm amongst brothers and it, you know, I don't care if it's on YouTube or not, but I had a situation, I've lost 11 kids and I'm just, getting, I have two now. So watching my wife go through that, you know, people don't, you know, you don't realize how hard it is to watch, to bring life in the world and it doesn't make it, it doesn't take. Mm. So like I said, I'm speaking from experience. And when I say I'm trying to cut my superfluities, vices, and all of this stuff and leave that behind to make a better person for myself, it, it comes from being at the bottom. Those are the other things that made me go get counseling and things like that. Uh, some people aren't, you know, they're, they're not open to discuss things like that. Well, I'm open to discuss it now because uh, I get relief by letting it out. And I got that from counseling, and that is part of casting away this life and preparing for the next, if there is a next or whatever. But not sitting up here living in a physical hell, because every situation I just told you about my personal life was a pretty hell for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know no way out of it. Mm -hmm. And my two daughters I have now are miracles literally miracles. It's a beautiful thing, man. And
2: one of the things that, um, you know, as you were going through your lecture, I was taking notes on uh, di- the different parts. And it was interesting because whereas some people may go through the, this esoteric part of it, and they may say, well, they may not be able to make the connections. They may not be able to connect the dots. But that whole lecture you gave was masonry from the first to the third degree i'm sitting there going oh man he just hit that oh man he just hit that mm-hmm. um one of the ones the the ruffians and it's different in some rituals uh but most of the rituals um that i have come across and in, in 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 mine as well and i asked brothers from time to time again making this walk and talk what are the ruffians and they say all oh, them the guys that beat up Hiram a biff and and then i said no 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 what is the ruffian like in my jurisdiction, we, we teach that that first ruffian is like your internal demons, your envy, your jealousness, uh, your debauchery and lasciviousness. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching you go through some of these in, in the presentation. I'm going, there goes that first ruffian and then the second ruffian. It seems like listening to your st- story, brother, Win, that second ruffian then tow you up. And, and, and in my jurisdiction, it's, it's uh, poverty, illness, um sickness that's what that's all this is the second ruffian of friends that betray you right Mm. but we're supposed to stand up with a degree of integrity and say when those ruffians come to visit us we're supposed to deal with them and let them know no 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 you're not getting this right not getting this my life you may take but my integrity never now we all know there's that great leveler that that last ruffian ain't none of us gonna get past that one and that was the whole theme of the, of the presentation. That third one I was taught was death. And you know, in, in, in actuality, I in, in uh, the Scottish Rite, that even death can't separate what virtue has brung together. So right. even at the end, we're going to beat death, <laughs> you know, so but we just got to make sure that we keep our integrity intact. That's what Grandmaster Hyman Biff taught us about death. Even when death comes knocking at your door, because that first one was like, man, I'm gonna take your life, man. You about to give it to me. He said, doesn't matter. I'm gonna gonna keep living these principles. I'm gonna keep divesting myself of my vices and superfluities. I'm gonna keep standing on the square no matter what happens. And that my friend is how we get through when the ruffians are knocking on, on our door. We have to keep our integrity. We just have to do what we said we were going to do. When we right. took those OBs, when we listened to those charges, uh, if we stay steadfast, right, then none of those ruffians are going to get us. And as I said, in the Scottish Rite, it taught me even death. I'm going to beat you death as long as I can stay on my square to the grave as I travel across this bridge of life.
4: You know. Yeah, if I could... If I could read something that I read today you guys touched on a lot of points, (laughs) I don't want to comment on everything, but it says the candidate (coughs) covers, there's a great mystery. He seeks knowledge and joins with his comrades to train and prepare. But until he sheds his fear of death Mm. and personal weaknesses, he is bound blind and lost. Wow. Wisdom, wow. strength, and beauty are found in compassion, tolerance, and mastery of self. The alchemical tradition is the burning away of the selfish and worldly, the refinement and purification of the soul, and the transformation of the soul to a higher state, through the recognition or application of a higher power. Wow, so I, it's, It kind of resonated with me because as men... And I can speak for myself, a lot of times, I wasn't honest with myself because it took the first step to say, hey, that I had a problem. I wasn't willing to recognize that I had a problem. And then the second step was, now I need to actually talk about it. Uh. Because a lot of times we keep silence, those things that we need to let out because we try to be, you know, men, you know, I got it. I don't need no help, it's gonna pass. But we fail to realize that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when we begin to speak positivity and say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna get over this, but I need to talk to somebody about this. And then we get a different perspective, and then we get a different view, and we get a different insight, and we get some wisdom. Because we can't it. do this by ourselves. And it speaks yeah. to what was told before, like when we're saying about you know, you're doing the degree work, you gotta be in, in it when you bring somebody through that unity. When I'm worshipful master, or I'm doing a degree work, I'm doing it again with you. I'm trying to help you out. What do you need? I'm here for you. So this thing is a full circle thing. It never stops. It never ends. And as we grow and become better day by day, taking that rough ash to a perfect ashes, chipping out of the way, and you know, making this edges smooth and square and all that good stuff. When the rubber meets the road, that's all good and dandy. It's all the fluffy words, but we all hurt, and sometimes we hurt in silence and we just gotta speak and say, hey man, I need some help. And I truly believe at the end of the day, that's why a lot of brothers, they begin to, you know, shy away from Masonry and don't come to meetings like that or don't come to the activities or don't even participate is because they don't know how to speak. They don't know how to find their voice, that voice that says, I need some help. All this stuff is nice, but I just, it's just, I'm not feeling it. We had a brother that disappeared because his daughter um she went missing and she was pregnant so he to this day after three years they still have not found her and he's in the assumption that her and the baby was gone and he'd possibly be dead but i told the brothers i said well just because he's not coming just because he's not paying his dues doesn't mean he's not a brother no more have you reached out to him did you go see him and it's like we we, we find that disconnect automatically and we don't know what the root of the disconnect is I know there's a lot of times we think their brothers don't want to study. and They don't want to get into the word and stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day, there's something more to what we're not seeing. We're not knowing. Talk to them, but see where he's at. It's just this thing is a ministry. I, me being a, a prior youth pastor, I've learned that sometimes people act out because they don't know how to articulate what's really going on in them. They don't know how to put it to words. So sometimes they'll act that in a different way they may do something bad or they may be disrespectful or they may be a little hostile. Or they may be, you know what I'm saying? Whatever that is, you got to read beneath that. What's going on? Where you at? You know what I'm saying? They just don't have that person to lean on. And some of that goes into adulthood. You got brothers that we've had to counsel brothers because they're doing some stuff, uh, you know, God forbid to, you know, their families and their wives and things like that. There's some things they just not talking about because they just don't think nobody can help them. It's, yeah, like, it's, it's like, hey, I'm on my own all this time. What you going to do for me? That's a real thing. You have to meet them where they're at. When we talk about meet somebody where they at, you got to get down there where they at, on the ground and say, hey, brother, I've been there. This is where I'm at. I know what that feels like. Or well, I don't know, but I can connect you with somebody that does. What do you need? Nice. You know, where well, I got you. Because it's a lot of times I think we become in our zealousness. We know the truth. We know what needs to happen. And sometimes we forget that brother is here for a reason. He may not be here for the esoteric just yet. He may just be here just to get some brotherly love, to see some people on his same page that want to talk like he talk. He'll get to that in a minute. He just want to see somebody that looks like him, talks like him, and can relate. And I'm pretty sure when you get him in the door and touch his heart, all that other stuff will come. And then he might get into that other. He might want to tap into that. But it's just not right now. He's just not seeing. It, it takes it, it. it takes a lot of it takes a lot of uh, uh, um, patience to be a worshipful master. It takes mm. a lot of heart. It takes a lot of care. You are really being up there. You are a shepherd of a flock, and people don't see that. When brothers don't call in, they don't they go missing. You got to go to their house. You got to see what they're doing. You got to touch that brother where he is. It's not just a position. It's a work. And I don't just not and I wouldn't even say this, I say any brother in that line should take that same mantle. Because if one is missing or one is hurting, we all missing. And I believe if more took that stance, it would be less brothers disappearing.
2: Have you, you taken have you taken a past master's degree yet? No, I know. Okay, all right. You you have, you okay, you have. All right. All right. Can't go there yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. But you would, the reason I say that is kind of like when I was talking about House last time. Some of y'all brothers be talking, ain't received these different degrees, but it's in you already. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, wait a minute. Okay, I know he's a worship master, but has he taken the past master's degree? Because literally, you know, y- y- you got it. And And when you're talking about um, the journey in the lodge. One thing I always try to get brothers to remember when we came through masonry on this, on this, this, this cycle of life that we're living on our way to death. Right. When, when we come in, we didn't come alone. That was, you had a guide and as a worse for master, you re- you reached down to that brother. You, he wasn't standing up. You told him you, you reached out to him. You told him rise, mm. right? He's right. You told him to follow your conductor. And going back to the lecture just a little bit earlier when he talked about we have fears, he warned you and he said, Fear no no evil. Danger. That's right. Excuse me. There you go, brother. Thank you for that correction. Fear no danger. (laughs) Yeah. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what I love about Masonry. I've studied a lot of schools of thought. and masonry man it's just really it'll it allowed me to see what the other schools were trying to tell me Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it was trying to reach me that's what i it's it's neutral you know we say masonry isn't isn't a religion per se it has a religious nature but it's not religion right that's that's what they say anyway right but at the end of the day it helped me understand the different religious schools of thought that were out there uh brother earlier had a quote i want to cuz old Robert House trying to be all quiet over there but we ain't going to let I'm him. I was thinking him. the same thing. So I, so I got something. I got yeah. something for him right now because uh the brothers quoted something earlier about um the power of life and death being in in the tongue. And and I immediately thought about Rob. You just posted that. I don't know if it was was it yesterday you posted that?
5: And you told yeah. brother,
2: said, be careful what you running around. I'm, I'm not gonna steal your thunder. I'm gonna let you ride out on that one.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, bro. <brother>, house, because <laughs> it goes
2: right to what we're talking about. Because you was telling them, don't stop, stop bringing these death words into your life. Is what he was, what I was hearing that he was saying, anyway. Uh huh. Yeah.
3: Well, what I was talking about uh, is right now you got. Obviously, we got the nature of everything that's going on in the world right now with um with the police brutality, and you have a a trend that's going on again for a second time where people are running around saying that they can't breathe no justice no peace and the thing is is when you start repeatedly saying things of that nature, it becomes a mantra and what you say is powerful and you're putting these words out into the the ether into the akashic records into the universe and what you're doing is you're making things manifest on yourself now regardless of what movement that you're trying to support you don't have to support a movement by speaking negativity when you say you can't do something that means that you will not be able to do it. Right now, we're fighting a pandemic that main thing is upper respiratory infections and upper respiratory uh, restrictions on breathing. Oh,
0: so, man, I didn't
2: or, even put these two together. I, didn't, these I, didn't, I, knew, I knew he was going there, though. Keep going. So, Go ahead.
3: So,
5: keep going.
3: So yeah. you're sitting here, number one, in the middle of a pandemic that restricts breathing. And you have your government telling you to wear a mask, which also restricts breathing. It's forcing you not to get actual oxidized blood in the system because you're constantly breathing in carbon dioxide from your exhalation. And now you're running around with shirts and banners and you screaming, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is literally damning yourself. And that is putting a spell on yourself you're literally cursing yourself and when you're screaming no justice no peace well you're saying you won't have justice and you will not have peace so you're literally giving your power away to negativity and the 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 universe doesn't care about your your movement But the universe does care about your intent and your intentions and what you say. And the things that you say initially starts with a thought. And then that thought has a wavelength that goes into your vocal cords and you release a vibration into the air. It is like the butterfly effect. What you say and do here affects everything that takes place later. If we look at the, uh, First time we had the no justice, no peace, and I can't breathe, we had a gentleman, literally the same thing took place. The only difference was he was supposedly selling cigarettes illegally, and five police officers came up there and wrestled him to the ground, choked him to death. And now we have an exact same thing take place. The only thing that's different is this brother was supposedly writing a bad check. But we still got police wrestling him down to the ground, basically causing a restriction to his his neck, according to the the and things of that nature. And now we have another brother dead. So what you may say and do today may not show up until five, six, seven, eight years later. But it is because of your actions, your words, your thoughts that made that manifest into reality so we have to we have to be um real cautious to what we say now one of the brothers i can't remember who said it, it was like he uh, like, said well we can't be perfect well who told you you can't be perfect and what makes you agree with someone that says you can't be perfect See, the problem is when we accept what somebody else put on us as a limitation, then we in turn make sure that we don't become perfect. Because as I recall in one of the volumes of the sacred law, it says, be ye perfect as your father is perfect. Mm-hmm. So if the person you supposedly follow says, be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect, who then supersedes what he told you? Are you following him or are you following somebody else? See, and this is the problem. When God said Abraham's generations were perfect and he was perfect, Enoch was perfect to the point he didn't even see death. So why do we have all these examples of perfect individuals and volumes of sacred law, and we then turn around and say, oh, I can't be perfect. You can't be perfect because you said you can't be perfect.
5: Word, sound, power. Faith, hope, and fruition. Charity. Right? Love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking it to existence. I had In commented on Brother House's post. When you said, <sighs> yeah, I can't yeah. breathe, I said, uh, flip it around, I can breathe. There you, go. Right. Say, there you go. Say, uh, injustice can't breathe. Racism can't breathe you know flip it over and if you remember back in the day you may see pictures where the guys have picket signs and said i am a man you, if you remember that movement oh see, man i love back it back in the hey, day
7: yeah. i positive. am a
5: man yes right. Yes, i have that and, and then we shall overcome you get what i'm saying spoken positive positive affirmations
7: and one prayer. thing
2: yeah and the one thing that um you know someone years ago had me do an exercise And I know some people might have looked at uh, Robert's post and said, that's kind of petty, right? Mm. But it's not. Literally you have to, you can be inviting death into your life by how you are thinking. And and a brother had me do an exercise and you guys try this one time and try it with with, with some friends of yours, have them take a piece of paper, draw, draw a line, down and then on one side ask them to make a list of everything they want in life and then on the other side say make a list of everything you don't want in life and then see which list is going to be longer most people you run into can tell you what they don't want in life they say, I don't want you know I don't want to be in the ghetto I don't want to be like this I don't want this they'll tell you all these don'ts but when you say what do you want because we need you to speak what you want into existence. Like he said earlier, the universe don't care that you use don't. When you talking about it all the time, the universe is saying he must want this. You're saying, well, I don't want to be broke. I I, I, I don't want to not have a job. And then you wonder why you broke all the time. You don't have a job because you're speaking these things into existence. The universe doesn't hear the word don't. It hears this guy talking about being broke all the time. He must want to be broke. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what we are not programmed to do is to speak things into existence. Man, what do you want? I had a guy one time, he looked at me and he said, man, I, I never thought of that, man. I, I, I don't know what I don't, I, what I want. I just know what I don't want. And I said, man, you've got to learn to, to meditate on the things that you want in life your thoughts are light your mind is like the sun and your thoughts those are the sun rays that are going out into the world you got to send the right ones out there because they're and gonna
3: so it, come. Go so I'm this, sorry, oh yeah this is the, this is the thing if if it says that god made us in its likeness and its image and then the christ says The things that I do, you shall do even greater. At what point in time do people understand that we have the same abilities that the Creator had? We create life when we become one flesh with a woman. We bring forth an image like unto ourselves. When we realize God said let there be light and light was made when we say let there be light light will be made so we have to understand the dynamics in the abilities and gifts in which we were given by being made in the image and the likeness of the creator and it's the same way with our children we gave them life and we instruct them and tell them what they can do. And if we can tell our children what they can do, why can't we tell ourselves what we can do? We, we, we too often are losing uh, the understanding of the power that we have in our hands. Even when we have these books that we say we read and we say we try to get an understanding of, and we still don't get it. We we talk about ladders and things of this nature and Jacob and stuff, but it was Jacob that went to sleep and saw God face to face. Jacob saw God face to face within himself,
4: mm. in a
3: vision, in a dream, mm. mm-hmm. unto himself.
4: Yeah, so that, that that's that speaks to the conscious versus the subconscious.
5: There you go.
3: The Don't more you
4: speak it. all this stuff, your subconscious is recording that. And that's what the universe oh, yeah. is listening to.
1: Right. Uh, so, right see, because so, this,
4: this, me, me, me and my girl was talking about this today. Like when we get to a subconscious level, then we begin to think at a different wavelength. And then we begin to see those things that we really want. Right. Because now you're not just going on what you're seeing. You're going on what you're knowing back here. That's why your dreams, they say your dreams. Your dreams speak what's in your mind. A lot of times people say they, they say things in their sleep or they see something or they hear a word from God. And it's in your sleep. It's in your subconscious. That's the connection level right there. As long as you begin to go off what you only see and what you only hear, you, you ain't going to go any farther than that. Than that. And see,
3: and this is the thing. And you, you just hit it on the head right there with the conscious. If we have an active conscious and we have a subconscious, if we're constantly negatively talking, saying, I'm not going to be able to do this, I'm not going to be able to do this, in your subconscious, you are literally
0: hindering yourself. You
7: that's may... That's what I was things. talking about. That's yeah, the
0: you, you that's you that that prison it. you put yourself in. Yeah. That's right. There you, go. You, oh. have,
3: you have literally damned yourself because you may think you're doing something actively, but subconsciously, you're saying, Oh, you're not good enough for this. There you go. You're not good enough to take get this job. So no, don't go fill out the application.
7: Right. Could could
2: you say that you you at that point are raping yourself? Going <laughs> back to the like yes. that?
5: You know what I mean? And and yep. brother uh in Mike's book, he said that the senior deacon, uh correct me if I'm wrong, is the subconscious. Or access mm. the subconscious. Correct. He's that's the conductor. The He's the one mm. you're following and fearing no danger. You get what I'm saying? Well,
4: yep. well, yeah, yep. that's a new Where you get that, from. Get, that, get that gut feeling? It's your subconscious telling you something ain't right, or you need to be doing this. That's why you got to feed yourself positivity all the time. Because all the time. Your subconscious is gonna do what's right, and then you can go into spaces where you. Some things say you don't belong, but you're going to know you're going to belong. You're going to act like you belong and you're going to do like you belong because it's just second nature. Second nature is nature going to kick in. I've been right. in places where I'm not qualified, but I fed myself positivity so I do what I have to do and people are going to recognize that. I don't sweat it. It just happens. Right. And you know
2: what? I like Michael's. Interpe- <laughs> yeah. I like Michael's interpretation of that. Better than any mythological interpretation you can give me. This goes back to what we were saying earlier. Don't don't tell me about these stations. What are these stations gonna do for me in 2020? You <laughs> see what I'm saying? It's like I used to say that to brothers, they said, Well, I'm going to Lodge tonight. And I had a little little joke I used to say to brother said, Not me. They said, You're not coming to me tonight. I said, <laughs> You already coming, here. <laughs> I'm coming to visit myself tonight. Uh. When I sit in the lodge, I, you know, I, I used to sit there and I look and I would go through the stations. I go and look at the, the uh, checkerboard floor and I say, man, that's that good and evil in me, ain't it? You know. And then I, I look around. And everything in there is me. You're visiting yourself from the time you knock on that door. Could those be thoughts on the outside, or they're trying to get in, and they, and they can't get in unless we tile them. I'm just saying, man. I, I I would rather work with that more than some. You know, I don't want to spook people out, man. It, it, you know, we got to make this stuff relevant to us today. That's how we build our character, how we become better, how we raise up out of that rubbish pile, right? Mm-hmm. By making it real, right. And and
7: see, there's Got dip in here real quick for y'all. Move on. Got see y'all yeah. running down the street. I just got. Go yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: we running. <laughs> we on that train. Yeah, <laughs> we I was like, if I don't get this in,
7: I ain't getting it in. Yeah, yeah. But um, based on what Brother House said, and also you know what everybody said, that reminded me of Psalm eighty two. So I had to pull it up on a split Ooh, screen real quick. Don't do them like that. Because, but you know, that was always powerful for me, man. Because. When you look at Genesis and all these things that happened, you can't just tell me that we were just here. We were just people, right? So in Psalm 82, it starts off by saying, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He's judges among the gods. Ooh, among who? These aren't just people just (laughs) hanging out here. Right? And then (laughs) let's just say you came at it from the other level, right? Let's say you came at it from the other level. (laughs) <laughs> then they give you the clarification. They tell you who you talking to. <laughs> yes, yes sir. sir. I have said ye are gods. Ooh, and not the children, no. children of the most high. Come
2: Ooh, on, can you say that one more ah, time, brother? <laughs> can, can, can you say that one more time? Just give it to us one more time. I have said ye are ye gods. Are gods. <laughs>
7: and all of you are children of the most high. I'm like now
2: you're not on. the most high now, but you are you are children. You're a child of the most high. You know, we don't want to ego trip too bad. Okay. We find it <laughs> out we gods around here. You know, that goes back to the Kabbalah too, you know, when it talks about um, you know, those husks coming down and, and 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 being encapsulated in matter into these bodies. Inside of you is the divine, you know what I mean? And and that divine is yearning to get out of get out of here. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's necessary. It was something in the lecture that he gave when he was talking about um life itself, right? us moving through this life is necessary for us. I think he said to to rise up your consciousness. Mm. consciousness And so it's necessary. It's not like a waste of time that we're entombed (laughs) right in this living grave, I guess you would would call it. Mm. It is necessary for us to rise up our, our level of consciousness. Like if I asked you brothers right now, I use this one a lot. I say wiggle your left toe and you brothers would wiggle your left toe. You weren't even conscious of that left toe a minute ago, but the toe was there. And I think that's where we're we're going. We're trying to be more aware and more conscious, not of things that are not there, but things that are there that we're just not conscious of, there you if that go. makes sense.
3: There you go. See, I think, I think uh, one of the biggest things, uh, and you, you touched on it, Brother Watson, is a lot of masons don't become the characters that we're portraying and if you're not becoming Hiram and you're not Mm -hmm. learning who or what Hiram represents because Hiram's name is not a proper noun and that's the the biggest problem people think Hiram represents a physical character or a person and it doesn't it represents a concept so if you are not becoming that concept then how then can you be raised to be the perfect example of that concept. So the, the, the biggest issue that I see is people are just going through the motions. And if you're just going through the motions, you can never consciously attach yourself to what those things represent. And if you don't know what they represent, then you can't really see how that's supposed to be playing on your conscience to make you a better man. Right. In order for masonry to make you a better man, you must know the concepts in which masonry is providing to you to understand how that's going to make you a better man. If, if you are saying, okay, I'm portraying higher or and then you know that higher represents a noble man, a man that has been exalted, that means a man that has been raised and put to a higher state. And you understand that higher state represents a high level of consciousness because he was once dead. And we know that that dead represents a a sense of ignorance and that sense of ignorance now being exalted into a nobleman or an exalted one, that person now has knowledge. It's Hmm. a reason why the the writers and the the, uh, authors of the Masonic rituals picked certain people in and put those people in certain places because they knew that these characters were concepts, that their names Mm -hmm. represent verbs, that those people or those human-like symbols actually are there to play a conscious role in the the mind and the mental capacity of men that Mm -hmm. study and understand these languages. It's a reason why they used a, a name such as Hiram. Now, we use Solomon as a translation of Shalomo, but they never did change the name Hiram from its original Hebrew word Hiram. It's a reason for that. And if people don't understand, well, hey, we use a translation of a name over here, but for this person, we use the real essence of the word Hiram then it should tell you, well, let me research this name. What does this name represent? Who is this person supposed to be? I'm now playing this person. What is that supposed to do for me? What is that supposed to make me reflect on? If I'm supposed to be a nobleman and I understand what a nobleman means and what's the purpose and the place of a noble person, then that will make me subconsciously walk, talk, and act as someone that has been exalted
4: and is known, that's right. That's right. And I think it's I think it's what Jesus was talking to Peter, and he I says, "Come on this rock, I build the church. <laughs> Come on <over laughs> now, and the gates <laughs> of hell. What are the gates? Come on uh-huh. now. Can we see what we hear, what we speak. Come on, and the keys to the kingdom. It's all in there. It's all in there. So you speaking good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Uh, now you getting
0: into some other houses. Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> I was Galgatha. <laughs> let me show. Oh him. no, it did. Come on no, now. He hey, <laughs> come on. hey, come on with the Calvary now. Come on with that place of <laughs> hey, Because hey,
1: Mike, I, you
3: you can't have those those that backdrop there with them two
2: exactly
1: them two <laughs> not talking That's, about the skull. Exactly. That. Oh, hey,
2: what do you say? You can't tease tease you with it. Um, what <laughs> one of the things that uh, I had a I had a scripture. It, it man, he came right in there with it. I was gonna let it go, but um. The skull and crossbone, right? Because we see that in the third degree, right, on the tracing board, and it was a scripture, Psalms five fifteen, uh, and and what made me think about this is when I I was looking over uh, Michael's presentation, and he and he mentioned about the the mid pillar, right, and it says his legs are pillows of marble, set upon sockets of fine gold, and and what 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 bring me with that that scripture right there is when it likened the legs onto pillars. And a lot of folks, when they look at the skull and crossbones, they don't realize that that, those bones are femur bones. They're they're two legs. And, you know, I know I'm I'm going off into the speculative jungle here, right? (laughs) But could those be emblematic of pillars? Yes. And then you have the skull in the center, kind of similar to what I'm looking at when I look at Uh, michael's picture i see two pillars and i see him in the center when i look at jesus on the cross i see two people next to him two pillars and him in the center you know and i kind of thought that uh, michael was going to run away with that a little bit more right and that that mid pill i said he gonna he gonna go into i haven't seen him touch the kabbalah yet though you know what i mean i'm waiting for us to have one of these okay it's a reason behind it okay gotcha um but at the end of the day. You know, what I love about masonry is our ability to use our conscious, to use our ability to think and reason, to speculate. So like what I just said to to you guys, it's not dogmatic. You can take it or leave it. Right. The the skull and crossbones could mean something totally different to everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. But as I was thinking about this lecture, I was it, it brought that back to me because it is a symbol of death. Right. And I'm saying, wow, you know, that that it's what you got the skull in the middle and you got these two crossbones. And like I said, most people don't know those are femur bones is what they are. Two legs.
0: Man, that's the only emblem I have on my car.
2: The skull and crossbone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It scares a lot of folks, right? Now, I always say to people, if a skull scares you, went back to what he said earlier, where do you think Jesus was crucified at? At the place of the skull. Okay, come on now. Let's not spook this stuff out. I, you know, if you say, why do they got skulls in masonry? Come on, man. It, it, you know, it's everywhere. The skulls are everywhere. There's nothing to be um, hey, afraid, gotta, afraid of. you am to
0: research it. And, and, you know, I mean, going into uh, Shakespeare, and uh, what is it? Hamlet, when he, he's holding that uh, skull, he said, Alas, poor Yorick, I knew him well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you take that
1: yeah. and think about well, that. But the
3: thing is why why automatically look at a skull and a crossbones as death when we know in the womb the skulls mm. and the bones are developed and that is a symbol of life. Mm, beautiful. So beautiful. you know it's 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 we have allowed people to form our conscience for us. And that's the problem. Because All simple biology right tells us that when the body has started to develop and a skull and a uh, skeletal system has developed, that is indication of life. and And that, that, is, when, and that is when they start to say, well, we cannot do abortions yes. when this development has taken place because that is the indication of life. That brain that houses the consciousness is surrounded in a skull.
1: Mm.
3: So to just automatically assume that the skull represents death is is a problem because if, if you follow Christ, it was upon the cross that he transcended when he gave up the ghost, as they say. So to look at something like that should actually show you a sense of elevation beyond that of a physical realm to a spiritual realm. And it's, it's, it's really, really simple for those who honestly know thyself. Because if you take the time out to meditate and understand what is taking place within yourself, then you will know that this is not your first life. Mm -hmm. And that there has been multiple lives for the thing that allows you to hear yourself think. Because you are consciously listening to yourself think. So what is that that is actually listening? Mm Because there is something talking,
1: that and all seeing listening. Yeah,
7: that all seeing eye it's
3: also something that physically talks.
7: Yeah, so agree.
3: <laughs> and as they say, three must agree. So if you are listening and talking and speaking, that is three entities taking place inside of one being. Mm-hmm. And that's the true trinity that people have completely lost the concept and understanding of
2: But you see how you see how we did that tonight though the beauty of all of that is that earlier I think it was Michael gave a different interpretation of three must agree you gave one but that's that's you, but you see how both of those speculative viewpoints caused us to start elevating. Meaning, my mind—I got to get off this call and start thinking about it. like, what was they talk? Okay, that's what masonry was supposed to be about. It was never supposed to be dog uh, dogmatic at all. And and as you looked at the skull and crossbones, in one instance, you see death. And depending on what level of consciousness you're on, you can look at those bones as where the bone marrow is at, right? So it could be an emblem of life and death at the same time. It just depends on what consciousness is looking at it. One consciousness sees it as death. Another one can see it as life. Another one can see it as life and death. And some of them say, that's dealing with the devil. (laughs) You know, it's it's just... Depending on where you're at in your in your level of awareness in life.
4: But, but some of that when we speak yeah, well, confusion is the desensitization of society. So yep. you see a lot of movies giving you an emblem like the five pointed star or or yeah. skull and crossbones or whatever. They put it in a horror movie and you just think, Oh, that's just I ain't dealing with all that. Or or like we had a post the other day we talked about um men. Met. So there was confusion there. And then they thought that that was the devil and Lucifer and all that good stuff. Again, using words that you heard on TV and everything you don't grew up with, misconceptions. But until somebody gives you some insight and said, no, brother, that ain't even close. This is what it really is. And then even they will probably still deny what you're telling them because they're going off of their faith in what they've been taught. So they kind of fear believing something new because again, like we talked about last time, I'm giving up something, I'm unlearning and relearning. am I gonna lose something? What am I gonna lose by unlearning this? Am I gonna lose salvation? Am I going to die? Because again, there's that fear that's always ingrained in us. If you believe this, you sin it. You're gonna die, you're gonna to go to hell. It's a cycle. To get us out of that, you gotta unlearn all that stuff. And that takes time, that's hard. It's that superstition. Yeah. Super Man.
3: Superstition is 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 mm-hmm. is a horrible thing to be trapped in, because superstition is something that you have accepted, but yet have taken the time out to dive into to see if it's real.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: So the problem is that superstition is, like you said, breeds fear, and that fear is bred through ignorance, and because of this ignorance, fear and superstition. Mm-hmm. Mankind has stopped in this level of progression. And because mankind is stopping in this level of progression, we will never get out of the holes in which we are in. Just like now, we we have a level of police brutality that is taking place. And it's taking place because of unnecessary accepting of believing that a a human being because of his skin color is lesser than another human being and because of that level of ignorance and that belief that someone is superior because of a different hue and skin color then allows us to destroy and kill ourselves because where you breed ignorance here you breathe fear over here, and that fear then causes you to do things that you shouldn't have to do. Right. And, right. and that's the biggest problem. That's the thing that Freemasonry is supposed to help mankind understand is getting knowledge over superstition and flawed beliefs. If we you know. have knowledge of something, it is like, and Matthew twenty-four, he says, "Build your house and be prepared, as if you know the thief is coming. If you, you know, know what? the thief is coming, then you will be properly prepared for that
1: thief."
2: But you know what, though? And the Scottish Rite. Oh man, one of some of the <laughs> best teachings I've ever, <laughs> ever ran into I in the Scottish Rite, man. man. And, and, <laughs> and, and and the Scottish Rite it teaches us there's five enemies to the human condition. That's right. Five of them. And ignorance, Ooh, that dude is something I, else. Matter of fact, I ain't, ain't going to give it all.
1: That it. Yeah, that's
2: okay. I ain't going to give you no secrets. I ain't going to give you nothing that's going to get you in any trouble. <laughs> uh, but that ignorance, you notice some, you know, some of your brothers in here in those houses. So, you know, the ignorance is off by itself when you hit that battery, right? Yes. Yeah, all along. Because it gives births to all the rest of them, which is, I'll on one of them. Superstition is an enemy that's of right. the human condition. Fanaticism. Right. Depotism
4: Oh, come on now. Tyranny. And ambition. On. There you go.
2: <laughs> Those are some of the the key enemies to the human condition. And we say the human condition, the development of the human consciousness. Yes. Go. And you have to fight them. And ignorance is at the root of the root of it all. You know, like when a brother, me and a brother um was having a discussion the other day, and I was telling him, I said, he said, hate. I said, ignorance is at the root of hate. Right. Why do you hate something? You're ignorant of something about it. You can go on and on and on. Ignorance is is to me the number one um, enemy to the human condition. And that's why masonry is so up on light. It says we're in pursuit of light. You want light. You want more light. You want further light. Why light? Because light is knowledge. That's what we're in pursuit of. And anytime time, you know, this goes back to the little debates we was having on Facebook. <laughs> when, I, when, when I was a worship master and I said in the East it, and I was learning my part, you know, I, I learned it before I got there, right?
4: Yeah.
2: And I couldn't figure out, and I mentioned this to you brothers one time, I couldn't figure out why they kept, why they put idleness n- next to immoral and un-Masonic conduct. Mm. You guys know that part in there, it says strictly forbidding. <laughs> yeah. All idle, immoral, uh, un-masonic conduct, and I said the ones who wrote this must think that idleness is synonymous with those other two and so that's I, I go into this it's like you cannot remain idle to the vehicles of growth and development masonry and still look me in my eyes and tell me you're a mason
0: it, it, nope. just, it doesn't work that way Man, nope, it does not, not work video that way from today with that one phrase yeah <laughs> Man, past
5: Charles Watson is going in. Thank you, sir. I appreciate
0: it. Y'all hitting some high points. I want to touch on ignorance real quick. Uh, starting to get late. I know some of y'all on the East Coast. But you know the root word of ignorance is ignore. Mm. And within ignore, you have no and gnosis. They in that ig or ignoring is that they're essentially shutting off the ability to receive something new, and this whole lecture is about getting rid of ignorance oh. and embracing the getting rid of that ignorance to know life so we can live and be prepared for
1: death that's right.